You're listening to the Fedora Chronicles radio show number 38. I'm Carol Solera Fisk. This time, my husband, Eric Rinderking Fisk, speaks with James Frank Loretta, the author of The Hidden Energies Behind Feng Shui. With Walt Schnabel, the author of Blood Club, they talk about how to create better living and workspace. Getting rid of a lot of modern clutter, the use of proper lighting and furniture placement is just a small part of making a house a home and office space more productive. They also get behind the physics of feng shui and discuss how it allows creative energies to flow more freely and create a harmonious and peaceful environment. To find out more about Mr. Loretta's work, go to quantum feng shui, that's all one word, quantumfengshui.org. The Fedora Chronicles radio show is brought to you by RetroAgogo, home of various products that all have the vintage vibe, retroagogo.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Penman Hats, handcrafted fedoras made right here in the United States, penmanhats.com. Be sure to check out our own products at zazzle.com slash fedora chronicles for t-shirts, coffee mugs, and other items with our own logo and slogans. Also, if you like our podcast, please be sure to send a dollar or two via PayPal to info at the fedorachronicles.com. You can also use that address to send your questions and comments. Once again, here's the interview with the author of The Hidden Energies Behind Feng Shui, James Frank Loretta. So anyway, here on the Fedora Chronicles radio show, here we have the author of the Hidden Energies Behind Feng Shui by James Frank Loretta. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. It's a great pleasure. Here in the background, we also have Walt Schnabel, who uh, promises to be quiet, but he has a microphone anyway. So can you say, uh, say hello, Walt? I, I will chime in when I have any uh, when you cogent have, thoughts. That'll be great. And thank you for introducing us to, uh, to Jim here. That's really that's really great. And, Thank you uh, for inviting me here. Hey, it's wonderful having you here. Anybody who uh, would like to go through the torture process of going through a podcast, absolutely, I'll invite them over. <laughs> so just right off the bat, um, tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got into feng shui. Okay. Um, back in the 90s, my stepson moved in with us to finish his last year of college, and he started experiencing anxiety attacks. And we couldn't get to the bottom of it. We had to rush him to the hospital in an ambulance one night. He went on medication. So uh, coincidentally, I was taking a feng shui course, my first feng shui course with a feng shui master out of Philadelphia, Melanie Lewandowski. And she came and she did our house and property, did an evaluation, recommended some cures, especially in Mark's bedroom. And uh, we did the cures. And within a very short amount of time, he got well and never went back to having anxiety attacks. So I was hooked. So I... I started uh, delving into it, and I was in education for 37 years. And what happened was I was a teacher for 19 years. I was a student assistance counselor for the remainder of my career. In the last five years, I was assigned to what was called in-school suspension at the time. Well, I went over to take a look at the program, and it was nothing but one broken computer, kids sitting in rows, you know, barren cinder block walls, and they they were acting out because they had them sitting there like that all day long. I said, this is not going to work. So when I took over the program, I remembered the words of a a Saint Kirpal Singh, who was a president of the World Fellowship of Religions back in the 60s. And he believed, he wrote a long treatise on education, and he believed it was the atmosphere that produced the best results in education with uh, kids. He says that uh, 
educational system we have now is based on test taking. It's like a machine, and kids are graduated being socially and spiritually incompetent because of it. So I said, okay, atmosphere, feng shui. So I brought in plants. I had soft music playing. I placed a water fountain by the doorway. I adjusted the color scheme in the room. I brought in artwork. Uh, I, I paid careful attention to placement. I brought in couches instead of desks and floor lamps. I shut off the fluorescence because uh, they affect behavior. Yeah, and fluorescence, learning. we've kind of discovered like here in our house, the fluorescent lights, even the, uh, the ones that um, get the uh, thumbs up from the green uh, people, mm-hmm. um, they, do, they really do have a negative effect. Yeah. So you have to have... Uh, it's because of the balance. frequencies they give off. They affect okay. the body. Yeah. So I, uh, I got remarkable results in the program. And I would get kids sent to me for, you know, various infractions. Instead of suspending them out of school, they'd spend time with me. And I had some kids that were, you know, n- known as troublemakers throughout the school. A lot of anger issues. And I got, it got to the point where <clears throat> I had this one kid, he would show up. If he got angry, he had carte blanche to come into the room. And he'd sit there, he'd have some tea, he'd mellow out, and he would talk to me. One day he said, you know, Mr. Loretta says, I can't, I just can't get, I can't stay angry in this room. I said, I don't know what it is. So, you know, I got remarkable results. It worked. And I, I, you know, I got my detractors to come around after about a year of them seeing the program work. So I decided to delve into it because I had a lot of questions like, well, how does this stuff work? What's it about? You know, I could explain to them how to do the cures, but I couldn't really explain to them how it worked. So I started doing research. And I ended up writing an article that Key Journal picked up. And then I got some uh, play in the Inquirer, and then I got invited to a state and national convention to speak, and it just snowballed. It just took on, it took on a life of its own. So after I retired, I decided to parlay that knowledge I had gleaned into a book, and really that's what the Hidden Energies Behind Feng Shui is all about. It's, it's the first book of its kind to explain how feng shui works to the layman, not how to do it, although I put some of those things in there as examples. And that's what makes the book unique. That's exactly one of the things I wanted to ask you about is that I mean, how exactly does feng shui work? And I, I know that there's a lot of people out there who have a lot of their own theories and it has a lot of, you know, bringing new energy into a room by just rearranging the furniture. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, what, what really is feng shui and what's the physics behind it? Well, in the simplest terms I could explain, so I didn't scare people away, it has to do with quantum mechanics, okay, subatomic particle theory. And basically, studies out of Princeton suggest that our reality is created by our intention acting upon the particles of the quantum field. So when you do a feng shui shui cure, what's actually happening is you're influencing environment by affecting the subatomic particle field. And that has to do with our thoughts and our intention. And really, they've done studies on the brain and found that they believe the brain actually doesn't store memory. What it does is actually access memories that are all stored in this this quantum field, so to speak. So when you execute a feng shui cure, your body energy, your thoughts, your intention are actually alter the, your environment. In some respects, the some of the feng shui cures are called transcendental cures because they're not like actually physical applications. They're like uh, psychological intentions that do alter your environment. So um, those are the reasons why I think um, I got the results I did in, um, in the in-school suspension program or the in-school support program. Um, I would place a fountain by the doorway. I brought in a multitude of plants. Now, a lot of research has been done on plants. Plants give off micro vibrations. They put oxygen into the air. 
Um, they do have feelings. The work of Chandra Bose and uh, Luther Burbank, they both prove that plants will respond. They have a, a, an emotional, uh, very primitive type of nervous system. And we actually communicate with them, um, and they communicate with us, and they influence our thoughts and feelings. So plants are very good to have in your uh, living working space for that reason. Um, I looked at the work of Rupert Sheldrake. He was a biologist um, working in, in the 70s. He's still working now, but his theory of morphogenetic fields really ties in wonderfully with um, why feng shui works. He believes that there's an energetic blueprint for everything in our reality. Um, other people have other names for it. Um, the energetic blueprint interacts with the subatomic particle field. And by our thoughts and intentions, we can influence those blueprints. We can access them. We can make alterations. Native American shamanistic healing actually taps into that. If you um, look at a sweat lodge, for example, when they pour hot water on stones, it's proven that the breakdown of the water particles create an ionization. And part of feng shui, at least I believe I've added in in a modern sense, the use of ions in our living working spaces, use of ion generators. Ions... um, positively negatively charged affect our health and in the sweat lodges when they would pour water on hot stones it would create create an abundance of negative ion particles now it's proven that negative ions affect the serotonin levels in our bodies and this affects our mood our appetite our behavior so and our emotions so part of the reason why a sweat lodge is is so beneficial is that it helps relieve release negative emotions and it helps uh, create a more positive aspect in our thinking patterns. Now, when, when you say that it's like a lot of these things have been proven, is there actual research as far as... Yeah, let's look at um, color, for example, applying color in feng, feng shui. They, we know that uh, certain colors affect us uh, mentally, emotionally in various ways. Dr. John Ott, he was a, a, a Disney uh, scientist... And back in the day, he did a lot of their uh, time-lapse photography. And in the course of that work and working with light, he discovered what's called malillumination. We just discussed that previously, touched upon it previously. Fluorescence affect classroom behavior. Mm -hmm. They lower uh, performance. Um, There's a lot more uh, misbehaving, kids operating under fluorescence all day long. So that's one piece of research that's out there that we know about. it affects IQ. It affects academic performance. Um, then there's the work of Hans Jenny uh, in working with sound. He was a Swiss scientist, and he proved that um, everything is made up of sound. Actually, if you go back to the Bible and other other religious works, you know everything is made out of light and sound. You know that's that's the basic premise, the foundation, building block of the universe. And Jenny would vibrate substances, powders, and so forth at certain frequencies, and he found that the frequencies actually created images from nature on a vibrating plate, you know, a fern, a plant, a flower, etc. So um, that type of work, scientific work, proves that um, the use of color and the use of sound uh, does have some really, you know, scientific, valid scientific basis. Um, each body 
whether it's an animal or plant or a human, gives off microfrequencies. And if you want to get into the negative impact that sound can have in your environment and why you need to, you know, adjust uh, you know, certain cures and feng shui to, to uh, take into account sound, let's look at Adolf Hitler. He was able to give off uh, a type of um, synchronized microfrequency when he spoke. They believed that um, he created a, a sympathetic vibratory unison in people when he gave his speeches. So that's like a negative example of the use of sound. Um, F-14 catapults on aircraft carriers, they know, it's not well spoken of, but that sailors uh, working around those catapults would purposely expose themselves to the blast of the jet takeoff because it impacted, the sound impacted the body in such a way that it would cause an an adrenaline rush. And they would get so high off of it, some of them would just like go into a trance and like actually walk off the flight deck into the ocean and they had to be saved. So that's kind of a, you know, if you go to a rock concert, yep. you know, the, the, the directional speakers impact the cells and there's a lot of fatigue. Uh, there's some speculation that, yeah, of course, drug use is rampant in concerts and they call it recreational use, but on some, some, some subliminal level, they think sometimes that maybe people are like kind of unconsciously preparing themselves for the pain that their cells experience when they're blasted by the shockwaves from the very loud speakers. So in, in feng shui, an adjustment for that would be to use omnidirectional speakers so that you don't get that type of impact on the body. Same thing happens on a battlefield. We know there's loud explosions going off uh, miles away over a long period of time. Soldiers can experience battle fatigue because the vibrational essence of those blasts affects their cells. And up close, they can kind of explosion can kill because of the, the vibrational blast. So there's a lot of research yeah. into sound and into light, color, that proves there's a very valid scientific basis for you know um, working yeah. with color and sound and feng shui. Um, National Geographic, or the Discovery Channel, they did a, um, a special on um, future weapons. I think they actually have a show called Future Weapon. The weapons that are that are being made right now or in research and development do use sound to mm-hmm. incapacitate yes. other people, opposing yeah, I forces. Came, I came across that in my research, yeah. There is uh, investigations. Um, probably a lot of the research is uh, top secret. Yeah. But uh, they do have uh, weapons for crowd control that use use frequencies to make people vomit and become disoriented and it affects the brainwave patterns. So, yeah, they're they're doing research into that. But on a a more, you know, positive approach, this is why when I applied feng shui in the classroom, um, the kids predominantly listen to earphones all day with loud banging music, which in feng shui is called element of fire. Mm -hmm. Okay, fire element. And if you look at, if you link it to Chinese medicine, um, they would say that that type of music is very young, very expansive, very, you know, they, and they link it to what they call the fire element. So I would always play very soft, very tranquil music. In fact, when the kids would say, can we put something else on? i say, no, you can listen to your headphones, but this music's staying on all day long, yeah. okay? And what it did, it counterbalanced that without them even realizing it because the kind of music I used was more of the water element. And in the Chinese uh, five-element theory, water balances fire. So without realizing it, I was getting into their consciousness subliminally and like kind of balancing what they were listening to. So that was another reason why that type of cure worked in the classroom with teenagers. You know, 
and why that kid that used to come to me would say, sit there and say, I can't get angry. I can't stay angry in here because I was working on him without him realizing it. You know, I had aromatherapy going on. I had sound. I had color impacting them. And I had placement uh, to make the energy flow harmoniously in the room. I had plants because I understood how all that worked. And I, yep. was, you know, I was working on them in, in ways that they didn't understand. But then eventually, some of them started catching on, asking me questions. And I, I turned it into a, a teaching moment. Yeah. Now, what exactly does aromatherapy do? I mean, it's like... Okay, aromatherapy works off of frequencies also. I mean, we're talking about frequency and vibration and the subatomic particle field. Now, I don't want to get into that too deeply because I, I've written extensively in the book about it in ways that people can understand. But put it, putting it simply, we smell electronically. So if you have high-grade essential oils uh, that you're diffusing into a room, what your, your olfactory sensors will take that in and the body changes it into an electric charge that travels to the limbic system, which is the primitive center of the brain. And that, that, that affects our emotions, okay, very, very deeply. And so you can alter your mood. You can lift depression. You can um, create better health in your body because all of that is linked. And if, you're, if your mood is elevated, your immune system comes up. So all of that works together. So aromatherapy is very potent. And, it, and it probably goes back to our primitive cells. So it's, it's working on a very fundamental level in, in the human body. Now, does any of this have to do with the way that smells also trigger memories? Because, like, there are some yeah. smells that it's like I love to have around the house. If there's anything like the smell of evergreen or the, the smells associated with Christmas. Uh, the, limb, I, the limbic system is tied into our emotional selves, okay? And that's the very primitive center in our brain. So our memories... Christmas, Christmassy smells, uh, uh, smells around certain events in our lives um, are all triggered by, by various aromas. Uh, if you look at uh, China and their use of qigong, which is breath work, okay, they, Chinese medical theory believes that all the organs in the body, each organ is linked to an emotion, an emotional state. So the, the, the liver is anger, the kidneys are fear, the lungs are grief, the heart is joy, and so forth. And... Um, they believe that um, each emotion actually has biomolecules that float around within the body. So when you work with breath work in a qigong set, um, you're influencing the organs to release toxins. Now, they can be physical toxins. They can be emotional toxins. Aromatherapy, aromatherapy gets in on the same level. It will influence the body on an organ level to release emotions. It's all tied together. The critics who saw what you were doing in the school, uh, you said that they turned around. How so? What, what was their reaction? And what kind of numbers did, did you put before them to say, hey, look, this stuff really works? That's a very good question. Basically, uh, what I created in that room was so alien to people because they wanted the kids punished. Everybody wants their pound of flesh. That doesn't work. If you look at our prison system, you know, inmates come out worse than they go in. You know, punishment just doesn't work. And I've been in education. I was in education for 37 years. I learned that kids respond much better to love and kindness than they do to being punished. They get enough of that. So after about a year of running the program, you know, I had a lot of detractors that would say, like, well, you know, kids should be punished and they should be, like, you know, forced to do this and that. And, like, it's too nice in there for them and this and that and the other thing. But eventually when they saw these kids coming back to the classroom 
and seeing them in, in an altered state, so to speak, and not having as many problems with them, and having some kids actually in a year or two, because I would get to get them starting in ninth grade, turning around in their academics and in their behavior and, uh, and uh, having less behavior problems. First of all, administration loved it because they didn't have to deal with them anymore. Right. Secondly, the teachers had, were able to function better in the classroom when you didn't have kids acting out, mm-hmm. and they knew they had an oasis to send the kids to just go see Mr. Loretta, you know, get out of here. Now, I had some kids that had that. They had carte blanche that they were going to melt down to just come down and see me and stay with me for a period or two, and I would send them back to class after they calmed down. So the detractors, I won, I won a lot of converts because they saw that the program actually worked. And I actually had a, a PTA night where I had about – I had a very active PTA, Cherry Hill mm-hmm. East High School. I had about 30 mothers that came out on a snowy evening, and I gave a talk. And my principal was there, and he loved it. And they came down to see the room after I was done speaking, and I couldn't get them out of there. They just loved it. They said, it's wonderful in here, and they asked questions. And, like, finally, like, we, you know, we ran out of time. I was like, well, thanks for coming. <laughs> but uh, it, it, they, I won converts because it worked. Yeah, shut the lights off before you leave. Yeah, you yeah. Know, lock exa- the door. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. uh, is this something that should be applied in every classroom and well, the principal's office? And- I mentioned that in the book. In fact, I, I won the principal over. I, I actually feng shuied his office for him. He, he was an interesting guy. He, because he knew me from before in another high school and because he had given me carte blanche to just let me set the program up the way I'd want it because I got such wonderful results, you know, I said to him, I said, John, like, you know, why don't you let me work on your office a little bit? So he said, okay. So I brought in a fountain. I brought him in a nice plant and an antique holder. I had him rearrange some things, and, uh, and he loved it. And then the secretaries were curious, and they caught on. I put a fountain in their in their waiting area, and it it's kind of like spilled out of there into the nurse's office and down the hallway into the men's room because I put I did some things in there that some of the guys thought was weird, but eventually they just said, oh, "That's just not bad." What could you do to um, a restroom in a high school to make it a, a well? A ours was you know typically restrooms are just they're horrors to walk into. They're horrors, they're yeah. S- sterile, they smell. So I did a you know. When, I do a little aromatherapy because on my website, you'll people investigate it, www.quantumfengshui.org. They'll notice that I sell some what they call feng, I call feng, shui, feng shui sprays that I created with uh, organic high essential, essential oils, high-grade essential oils. I'm for a second. They, they eventually changed the name of the school to Feng Shui High School. <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be a mini-series on that. <laughs> so I, would put, I put artwork in the bathroom on the walls and I did a little of aromatherapy I didn't do a lot just a little touch to change the energy in there and it was very much more pleasant to walk into that than it was to see a like a green wall and with a bathroom that kind of had a stale odor to it yeah. so it, that's you know I did a little bit just a little just a little just to kind of like start to get into their consciousness a little bit I will obviously be talking to the teachers who who are teaching my kids I'm probably going to bring this up that would be great what would be the the first piece of advice that you could give any teacher sight unseen sight unseen i would say bring some plants into the classroom pay attention to your color scheme get a get a funk and feng shui what they call a bagua mm-hmm. and you can it'll tell you you know here's your wealth corner here's your family corner here's your you know so forth and you can you can do a schematic of your room just 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 easily and just pay attention to how the room is set up Look at where your desks are, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, are your kids acting out? Are you having trouble with any particular kids? You know, if you want to try something different in terms of behavior mod, 
try some feng shui, just try it a little bit and see if there's any change. And I would be willing to say if they did that little tiny bit, maybe even add in, well, you got to be careful with the room therapy because some kids are these days are allergic to things. But um, if you get some positive results, then take it from there. But, I, you know, it's, it's not hard to bring in a few plants and change the arrangement of the desk and, and change where your desk is. Uh, sometimes that can change everything. Music, too. Is music, a good soft music in the background. I always i am a firm believer in that, and that really calm. That can be very calming if you choose the right music. Is there a particular genre of music that you think? Uh, Mozart for the Mind is one that was created scientifically. That's it alters the brain waves and calms people down and enhances learning, enhances the ability to take in knowledge. That's been proven scientifically. Yeah. It's called Mozart for the Mind. Uh, on the way over here, we, we were actually listening to Native American flute right. music. Native American uh, flute F. music. Carlos Nakai in it. You're right. As we were coming, it just really lowered our brain waves. Yes, it does. And that's a good thing because it's very non-obtrusive. It's it's just very subtle and flute and dreamlike. Almost. I don't think that we really want my brain waves to go any lower than they already <laughs> are, though. Well, we, well, we don't want you to fall out of the chair. <laughs> no, exactly. No. Now, is there a genre of music? I mean, obviously, Mozart is classical, but what about... Uh, Certain types of New Age music. Um, those types of music that have been created to have whale song in the background. I, ha- I had some CDs like that. Um, nature sounds in the background. doesn't have to be loud. It's just it's subtle. It's just there. It's almost like white noise sometimes for people if you keep the volume on low, but it does have its influence energetically on people. Yeah. Just out of curiosity, just walking through through my house, I mean, what, what did you think of the feng shui of the, uh, of the layout of the, at least the first floor? Um, I would say that probably one of the biggest problems for people in terms of their working environment and their living environment would be to have clutter around. And I'm as guilty of, of that as anyone. So every so, every so often I will clean out my office because yeah. it piles up with books and papers and I throw something over in a corner. And eventually it starts to bother me when I walk in there and I realize, okay, you're not practicing what you preach. So I'll take an afternoon and I'll just organize everything, clean it up. And it just it changes the energy. Energy needs to flow. Exactly. When you have clutter around because of how you how how you live your everyday life you're you're in a hurry and you you put things here and there it eventually inhibits the the energetic flow of energy in your house yeah. in a harmonious fatter, pattern so if you can adjust that it goes a long way to, to helping you, even psychologically, will clear your head. Yeah, because the, the one beef that I do have with my family, I mean, it's, I, I love them all dearly, my wife and my two sons. But it's like um, I like to have a clean, almost vacant room. And they see space in my <laughs> office and they think, oh, well, I can just put this here. You know, my I, husband isn't going to mind. Dad's not going to mind. totally understand that. And, that. and that's a difficult one to overcome. And that, it's, it's habitual, you know. It's just just your habits, you know. You don't think about it, but if you pay attention to it, you can make some positive changes, and you'll and you'll feel a difference. You yeah. know, a lot with with feng shui is like feeling the impact of these cures. You know, forget about what I've written in the book. It's common sense. You know, and, you know, and, and if you apply some of these things and you feel the difference in your living working environment, then hey, like take it a step further. Yeah, and I also think that uh, the the, uh, the mailbox is a horrible contributor to the clutter. It's like it's a it's an open sewer. It's an I, open sewer pipe. I have a basket by the doorway, and I just get the mail, and I just start throwing. I don't even open it. I just start throwing pieces of mail in, and I put it out and recycle because uh, otherwise, if I leave it around, it will it'll just pile up. Yeah, Walt. I I just wanted to say that I did a lot of study with Native American healers, and I, and I did a couple 
of workshop, all-day workshops with a, a guy named Black Wolf, who, who was a, a Native American uh, healer from the Midwest. And he one day started the session by saying, I'm going to tell you how the universe began. And he took his rattle and he shook it, one good shake. And his message was that it began with vibration. And so vibration is at the, at the root of everything, depending on frequency. Everything vibrates at different frequencies. And it's getting all of those things, I think, aligned in your, in your environment, which, which another Native American message is balance. Yep. And getting your environment in balance and your life in balance as, at the same time. So, Jim, how, how do you want to leave this? Uh, what, what do you want people to do besides buy your book, which is awesome, and they can buy at um, quantumfengshui.org? Well, I'd like them to visit the website and look at some of the things I've put on there. There's a, they can read part of the book for free to get a feel of it. And um, my, my message in writing this book is I really do uh, have an altruistic motive. I want to spread the word. I know that this can – if people start applying this in their lives and see the changes, it's each individual working piece by piece that can turn the direction of the planet around. You know, feng shui, I didn't get into it in our talk, talk this morning, but feng shui can Oh, we be, can take a couple of minutes and go there. It can be applied on uh, – in, in the olden days, there was a, an art form called geomancy, and it was the placement of objects in the landscape. The Chinese were masters at this. They would alter the terrain. They would place rocks. They would install pagodas. They would alter the what they call the flow of the dragon currents in the soil to make their cities more prosperous, to make their crops flourish. You know, it was a very real art form. So um, feng shui can be terrestrial, can mm-hmm. be plant-wide. It, it, it not only in that regard, but it, how do I say this? The, the meridians in the body system, which I didn't talk about in this, this talk this morning, really are related to the ley lines that run across the surface of the planet. And just as we apply acupuncture and acupressure to affect those energy flows in our body, which do, does lift the feng shui, but again, I didn't get into it in this talk, by affecting the uh, terrestrial landscape, it's almost like a planetary feng shui uh, acupuncture to influence the energetic flows across the planet to improve things. And we've so polluted the earth that the energy flows are really stagnant mm-hmm. and you know polluted and things don't work as well as they used to. And we're, we're reaping uh, the wind now. With, if you look at planet-wide, the amount of earthquakes and tsunamis and volcanic eruptions and you know uh, um, other events – Something's happening, and I don't think enough people are paying attention to it. And not to wax prophetic, but let's bring it back to a level that people can work on. If you just take feng shui and start applying it and open your awareness, I think things can start to change for the better for all of us. But it's going to take each person doing their their small bit and over time. And taking care of their own space. Taking care of their own space, exactly. Well, I can tell that you have a lot more to say, and I would love to be able to invite you over here anytime, and well, we can definitely do this again. I thank you. That would be quite a journey. I live in New Jersey, but I'd be glad to come up you, here well, again and talk. So, Or we can go to you because we have people in New Jersey as well that okay. we'd like to visit with. So anyway, thank you very well, much, Thank Jim, you for inviting me. And looking forward to – And I uh, thank Walt for being my partner in this talk. Walt, thank you for introducing us. Thank you, Eric. And, and Jim is my – Brother in spirit, we we are uh, we've been friends for many years, probably thirty years, and, and we uh, 
are probably closer than Blood Brothers because we have a connection of, of the soul. I think. Absolutely. Thank you, Walt. You guys are great. Well, thank you again. Thank you. Thank Aaron. you. Once again, I want to thank Mr. Loretta for taking the time to be on the Fedora Chronicles radio show, and Mr. Schnabel for introducing us to him. Please be sure to check out both of their books. The Hidden Energies of Feng Shui can be found at Mr. Loretta's website, quantumfengshui.org. And Blood Club can be found on Amazon, or going to Mr. Schnabel's own site, joinbloodclub.com. A special thanks to my wife Carol for doing the introduction. The bumper music for this podcast was Daniel May from the album Feng Shui, Music for Balanced Living. That you can also find by going to Amazon.com or through our own site, thefedorachronicles.com slash radio. Be sure to check out our sponsors, RetroAgogo and PenmanHats.com. Finally, a thanks to you, our listeners, for your contributions to our PayPal account via info at thefedorachronicles.com. Feel free to send us your suggestions for future podcasts. We also just love to hear from you. Until next time, this is Eric Renderbeking Fisk reminding you to keep your chins up and your fedoras on. <laughs>